We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome to Week 10 Lines and Lineups. Holding Kushner alongside Kevin Rogers and Grant Niefer. Grant's with the Rotor Grinders. He's in for Dan Bach today. And, of course, K-Rodge with Vegas Insiders. You can see behind him, he's an Ega sitter. So, good stuff there, buddy. What's going on, K-Rodge? We are about – we're halfway through the betting season now. Man, what do we got, 20 weeks with the Super Bowl? It goes way too fast. And then it goes way too slow in the offseason, but it's going too fast, man. It does, but uh, the good news is if you don't just bet on NFL, you have college basketball and NBA and NHL and all this other stuff, so it never really ends. It's just the football would end, but everything else still goes on. The football's so fun, though. To me, it's just it's still, it's just so much fun. Well, you have it's XFL all, coming up uh, in the spring, so you can look forward uh, to that. Oh, sweet. Is Danny Werfel playing in that league? There's some interesting names, I'm sure. All right, K-Rodge is with Vegas Insider. Got another guy with a dry sense of humor, Grant Niefer with uh, Roto-Grinders. What's up, Grant? You look just thrilled today. What's going on? Uh, I'm not used to waking up this early. Um, really? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more of a night owl. I work almost every night, and so whenever I have to wake up at like 8 o'clock in the morning, it, 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 it's rough for me. Outside of wow. Sundays, when I'm up at like 4.30. Yeah, you volunteered this, so I don't want to hear about it. Uh, let's Here's the games we're going to get into today. Kansas City at Tennessee. It's an, it's an odd slate um, from a DFS perspective, uh, betting perspective. We'll find out what Kevin thinks. But the Rams visit Pittsburgh, L.A. coming off the bye. Carolina, Green Bay, this will be – to me, that's the most fascinating game of the week. Buffalo at Cleveland, and then Atlanta at New Orleans, which should be a bonanza of, uh, of scoring on each side. But let's get to Kansas City uh, visiting Tennessee. So, K-Raj, we would think that Mahomes is coming back this week. Line opened – at uh, Kansas City, three-point favorites on the road, minus $1.10. And the, the over-under is kind of sitting at 48.5. So I see between three and a half, four. Uh, what's your take on this game is Tennessee has really struggled, and it looks like Kansas City's getting Mahomes back. Well, it's good that the Chiefs, uh, that, that it turned out they didn't lose Mahomes for the entire season. And when you look through the last few weeks, they go 2-1, and one, and the Green Bay game was very winnable. So uh, the Chiefs got to feel pretty good about themselves that they were able to pull away from Denver on that Thursday night. We know the Broncos aren't very good. But uh, overcoming that 14 nothing deficit against Green Bay, 
coming back, taking the lead, and then obviously they lost that game. But then to beat Minnesota at the end was a really nice home win behind Matt Moore. And uh, it is good to see because the Chiefs were terrible at home, or at least they just weren't winning at home, and they finally got one. And the good news, too, is they ran for 147 yards, the victory over Minnesota, that they had gone four straight weeks under 90 yards rushing. So they finally got the running game going. They beat a really good Minnesota team. And now they go on the road to take on Tennessee, who is 2-0 at home with Ryan Tannehill starting at quarterback. They lose to Carolina, which I'm not going to call it expected, but the Panthers, after getting embarrassed by San Francisco the week before on the road, you would have thought that Tennessee would have gotten it back together, or Carolina, excuse me, would have got it back together, which they did. And now Tennessee will see what they can do where at least uh, their offense has been pretty decent with Tannehill at home. I mean, obviously, we have to see if Mahomes uh, does come back for this game. But the one thing that we do know, Holden, is the Chiefs have been a very good road team under Patrick Mahomes. So assuming that Mahomes comes back here, I mean, you do have to look at Kansas City just because their track record has been very good away from Arrowhead, which you wouldn't really have really said years ago. You'd always say that, oh, at Arrowhead, they're great. On the road, they struggle. But really, it's the opposite this year. And for Tennessee, it's just kind of tough to trust them. I mentioned the 2-0 record at home, but also, you know, the Charger game, they could have lost at the end. The Buccaneer game, you had that fumble on on the uh, on the, the the fake field goal that Tampa Bay took back and was whistled down. So really, I mean, Tennessee should be fortunate. They're two and one with Tannehill at quarterback. There's a couple of books that have actually taken this game off uh, their board, but we'll get to the over under in a second. I want to talk to Grant about this. With Grant from a DFS side, this uh, to me is a really interesting one with Casey at, at Tennessee because you would think Mahomes is coming back. Tyreek Hill is priced up. I think the other receiving options are the interesting ones that you're going to have to figure out um, if you are playing this game, which ones you want to throw in there. What's your take on the Kansas City backfield at this point? Mahomes coming back. Start with the Kansas City offense, Grant, and any value you see there or anybody that you really need to stick in your lineups this week. I don't think there's anyone you really need to stick into your lineups. I mean, Mahomes is kind of a guy that we always locked and loaded, but Tennessee doesn't run at that high of a pace. And Mahomes, like, we don't realize how much it actually affects him when he can't really run and scramble too much. Uh, Like, we look at his numbers this year. Once he had that ankle sprain, he kind of went from going 30, 35 points a game down to around 20. Really hindered him. Granted, some of it was matchups. Most of it was just, like, his inability to be that mobile kind of really had a massive downtick on him, especially with that many speed options. He has in that lineup, like we saw, looking at the receiving options, Tyreek Hill is a guy that's always going to be in play, always has massive upside here. But outside of him, a wide receiver, like Watkins had that week one just breakout game and then really hasn't done too much sense, and we've kind of been chasing it. I don't think he's a guy that I really want to go with. Hardman is one of the wide receivers I'm looking at. We really don't have a lot of value on this slate, and we've seen Hardman go for some big plays so far this season. Always has some upside there. 4K, he's a guy that you could potentially look at in GBPs. Kelsey is a guy that's regressed drastically this season. And most of it has been, yeah, most of it has been touchdown equity. Like, he's getting close to the same target share, the same amount of receptions, like similar yardage numbers. It's just the touchdowns haven't been there. Now he gets Mahomes back in the offense. So he should be due for some positive touchdown regression. And his price point is a lot lower than we've seen in the past. He's under 6 or under 7K, right at 6.4. He's an interesting option on a slate where there's not a whole lot of good tight end options. So he's in play there. The real interesting guy in the offense is Damian Williams. He, uh, Kevin mentioned that 
they finally had a 100-yard rushing game. It's interesting because that was mostly due to a 91-yard rush. One run. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of that, they had, I think, 50 yards rushing. But regardless, like, we saw Damian Williams put up massive games at the end of last season. Like, we've seen this Casey run game put up big numbers with Kareem Hunt in the offense and then Damian Williams in the offense all last season long. It just really hasn't gone well so far this season. But they're just so talented. Andrew Reed's such a good coach that we have to assume that it's going to regress positively at some point. Last week, you had Jalen Samuels as a super cheap option. But this week, we really – everyone's looking at Kevin Balash for some reason is kind of my early thoughts on this. Hey, he's averaging two yards per carry, man. Why would you not jump on that? Oh, gosh, it's just disgusting. And everyone, like, there's been so many cheap running backs that have hit recently. And if Le'Veon Bell does end up playing and uh, doesn't leave the value with Tymont and with Powell – this week, they were really going to be struggling to get some cheap running backs. And so Damian Williams is kind of the guy that offers a whole lot. LaShawn McCoy was stealing a whole lot of timeshare from him earlier on the season, and now it's more, I think he's in over 70% of the snaps, over 70% of the rushes so far in the last week or two. So it's really been going more towards his way. He offers some value there, 4.9 guy or 4.9K. He's kind of the guy that offers like the most interest to me in this game in a slate where we just – we need one to throw CMC in there. He's 10.5K, and Williams kind of allows you to do that. Yeah, and Kelsey's 6'7". I'll just say this about the tight end position. You know, the last couple of weeks, so you had Ertz last week. You had a big day. I, t- two weeks ago, I think it was Waller. Who knows? But then you look down, and no names. Every single week now are in the top five. I mean, we had Hollister last week. We had uh, – Fells is a guy I've kind of been on, but he's not a big name. Jonu Smith. You know, there's guys I'm, – I'm having a hard time paying up for tight end right now. It's, it's just tough because there's so much variance there. And Kelsey's interesting. K-Rodge, real quick, and we'll, I want to get your take on the Tennessee side in a minute, Grant. But on the over-under on this one, uh, is, this, is there a lean either way at 48-and-a-half? I'd say no because of, again, Mahomes' status. But also when you look at what Tennessee has done at least – you know, through these last few games, and again, we, we have to throw out what Mariota's done. So you only look back at the last three games, and the offense has been better in a sense with Tannehill. I mean, it could be any worse. They had seven points in the in the last two games with Mariota. But uh, when you look at the Carolina game, they dug themselves an early hole in that one and scored a bunch of points in the second half. So it's kind of hard to trust that Tennessee will spread this out. I just think this is one that uh, you pass on between these two teams on the total side just because of the Mahomes factor and also Kansas City. As I mentioned before, they've been very good on the road. It's been kind of up and down. They've had a couple good defensive performances against the likes of Denver and Oakland, but also Detroit scored 30 on them. Jacksonville scored 26 on them. So you don't really know what you're going to get. And really, out of all those quarterbacks, you had one decent one with Stafford. Well, I mean, if you Grant, if you want to predict uh, pace of game in this, and all of a sudden this goes up and down the track meet, then you're going to have to have somebody from the Tennessee side. I mean, I'm not even though Kansas City's a sieve defensively, uh, I can't go back to Derrick Henry again, even though he had a nice game last week. He was supposed to, and he did. Uh, wide receiver wise, Brown, he does nothing for me. Corey Davis does nothing for me. Maybe Jonu Smith. Anybody on this Tennessee side? Give me one name that you can see at least uh, wrapping it around with if you're going with Kansas City stack. I mean, Derrick Henry's the obvious one. I think Casey's near the bottom of the league in terms of run defense. Henry's the guy that they always love to just pound the rock with. But if they do get down to an early hole, 
they're going to be throwing the ball. And Tannehill, six passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown in the last three games here. And it's not like that's been that drastically different of a schedule. I mean, yes, the Chargers and Tampa Bay aren't great on pass defense, but Chargers game, they got out to an early lead and just were able to run the ball. And then Carolina's one of the toughest pass defenses in the league, and he still put up 331 points there. Great, or 331 yards there and put up 28 fantasy points. The interesting thing is this, when this game is, if Kansas City does get up to an early lead and they are forced to pass the ball, all the wide receivers and all and the Johnu Smith are all really cheap. There's not a single guy over 4,400. Corey Davis is the most expensive guy. And Johnu Smith is the guy that really interests me. Kansas City, in terms of fantasy points, I think they're 23rd in the league, given up to the tight end. But in terms of targets, I think they have the largest target share to opposing tight ends in the entire league here. They kind of shut down opposing um, wide receivers to a decent extent. And tight ends have just been running wild and getting a ton of target shares. Delaney Walker's out again. John Smith is one of the top tight end options on the entire week there. If Tannehill puts up 330 yards, Smith is probably going to be heavily involved in that, has a good shot at a touchdown, and probably could see eight to – 10 targets realistically in this matchup if they're going to be throwing the ball 40 times. He's interesting. I think, think sprinkling in like Corey Davis, Brown, and Humphreys, it's not so much that they're all good raw points plays or they're all great point per dollar plays. It's just the way that this game could turn out where Tannehill's going to be throwing the ball often. And if he does, then just based on sheer volume, any one of these guys can absolutely crush their value. But Jonas Smith is the most likely game. All right, KC at Tennessee. That's a 1 o'clock game. Let's move on to the Rams at the Steelers. Steelers coming off a tough loss, and then the Rams coming off a bye. This will be interesting. You know, I think the Rams' offense really has struggled, uh, K-Rodge, because Todd Gurley just isn't as involved. I mean, let's face it, the last couple of years, he's been their most valuable offensive player. I don't even think it's close. He might be their most valuable player, period, even though they have Aaron Donald. Rams at Pittsburgh, 425 Eastern line, open at 3.5, sitting at 3.5 in most places. A 45-and-a-half over-under, bet down to 44 at a couple places. So let's start with the Rams and Pittsburgh from a point spread side here. Do you have any interest in this game, K-Rodge? And even if you don't, give me a little background on it. Well, when you look at what the Rams have done recently, Holden, obviously a nice bounce back, even though the two teams they beat the last two games aren't exactly lighting the world on fire because they have a combined one win, Atlanta and Cincinnati. And they held those teams to each 10 points. But uh, wins are wins. And the Rams, after a couple of bad weeks, you know, the San Francisco game was obviously the biggest downer of all of them because the Seattle game, they had a chance to win. The Tampa Bay game uh, was an ugly one. But the San Francisco one definitely was just bad. So it's nice to see that they bounce back. But, uh, you know, also when you look back at it for the Rams, if you want to kind of pick at them a bit, out of their five wins so far, Bengals haven't won yet. Falcons have one win. Cleveland's a disaster. The Saints without Breeze. That was a game they had Breeze and Bridgewater, and it really just they were down from the get go. And then Carolina, they held off in week one with Cam Newton, and we see Cam as in place in week two. So, really, when you look at it, this shapes up well for the Rams because they're playing Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph, a backup quarterback. So, in a sense, it actually does shape up well for the Rams, uh, you know, kind of going that way. And, you know, for Pittsburgh, it's a nice story, them coming back kind of from a dead season, it feels like, after Ben went out and they were kind of cooked. But they've won four or five. And the game they lost in that stretch came to Baltimore in overtime, a game that the Steelers probably could have won. But they caught the Colts last week with Brissett getting hurt and they needed a pick six in that game, too, from Micah Fitzpatrick. But uh, I do think the Rams could be worth a look just because 
the way the Rams season has gone, this is a team that they should beat. And when you look at who Pittsburgh has beaten so far, again, Bengals, Dolphins, Colts with a backup quarterback, and the Chargers with, uh, you know, even though the Steelers had a third-string quarterback in that game, still they kind of caught the Chargers off guard early on. So I'd probably lean Rams here. Um, it, and it's getting bet down, but it really didn't. You got three and a half someplace. It got bet up to uh, four. So this this is going to be interesting uh, from that side of things. Kevin, how much does it matter that the Rams are coming off the bye? I mean, I think that they should be all right. I mean, I know they had the London game, so a little bit of an adjustment there. But, uh, you know, obviously for a team like Pittsburgh, they, they are now playing a third consecutive home game, so they haven't had travel in a long time since that Charger game. But at least the good news for the Rams is they can get uh, a little bit healthier. They have Jalen Ramsey now more in the mix with things. But, you know, do I love this game? I can say I love it, but just the way things have gone for the Rams, that, you know, they I, I feel like that Atlanta game, they kind of – got back what they were missing after the San Francisco debacle. So, again, it, it, both these teams don't have really a proven win on the schedule. So that's kind of the one thing that you have to uh, keep an eye on with this game. And L.A. has covered uh, six – they're six and two against the spread this year. Uh, Grant, so we're going over to this side. I want to start with Gurley. Uh, you you mostly seems like a draft king, so I'll just throw out the salary on, on FanDuel. He's $7,200 going up against Pittsburgh decent run defense but at what point in time if at all do we start trusting that Gurley's going to get volume again you know he sat out a game then they got the buy he should be fresh it's a team that really has not gotten going offensively give me your take on Gurley first yeah the price tag of 6.1k is a little bit interesting here we know that like when he played a massive volume of uh plays he sat out the next week because he, his knees are basically dust at this point um I would have a whole lot of interest in him at this spot, and I do have a little bit of interest in him. Pittsburgh's just a tough matchup for opposing running backs is the only real problem here. But Gurley can get there by just getting rushing touchdowns, which we know that Sean McVay loves to rush in the red zone here. Gurley, in his last four games played, he's averaged one and a half touchdowns per game, which is pretty close to what he averaged last year uh, in the games they actually played. One of those matchups was against Tampa Bay, best run defense in the league, and he still ended up with two touchdowns there. Granted, he didn't end up with a whole bunch of yards. He can get very involved in the receiving game here. So I think you have to have a bit of interest in Gurley here just because of the volume he could potentially have and just the touchdown equity that he could potentially have on a slate where we really don't have a whole lot of options. Yeah, Brandon Cook's going to be out of game, might be out a while. Uh, I'm on Josh Reynolds again this week. Um I, you know, more for cash than anything else. I think he is going to have a little bit of a floor, but uh, any any interest there in Reynolds, the rest of the Rams wide receivers, and then we get into Pittsburgh. A uh, little bit of interest in Reynolds just because you do need some salary savers, and he's definitely an option at 3.8K. He had eight targets in the last game, ended up with a touchdown. He's got in the past that's burned us a whole lot, but just without Cooks in the offense, if he is going to miss this week, potentially could be a good value pick cup guy always that can have massive upside considering his target share if they ended up passing up a whole lot but they it's a tough matchup so who knows how that actually go the guy that i have the most interest in the receiving game is going to be everett 4500 you look at what he's done the last five games and outside of one game versus san fran which no one did anything and one game versus cincinnati where they had the game in their hands pretty much the entire time guy's been getting 15 points a game has a big target share in this offense over the last five weeks going up against Pittsburgh who has a large target share to opposing 
tight ends, one of the highest in the league. And so Everett's really the guy that I have a bunch of interest in at 4,500 on a slate where we don't have a whole lot of great options at tight end. Yeah, and then on the other side of things, we don't know if Connor's coming back. If it's Jalen Samuels, I feel like he's a much better play on DraftKings just because he wasn't even running back. He was a glorified wide receiver last week. And Trey Edmonds, that might be something uh, to look at there. Mason Rudolph, the receiving game, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. I mean, anything here on the other side of the Rams with the Steelers? I mean, yeah, you could potentially look at Trey Edmonds just because of the lack of value. Just like if the game script kind of favors him, currently Rams are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So if they are running the ball a little bit more, it's probably going to be Edmonds because Samuel just was – getting tons of targets, doing most of his work in the receiving game. So if they're going to rush the ball a decent amount, Edwards offers some upside at 3400 All he has to do is get into the end zone, and he basically crushes. Outside of him, no one really. Like, I don't want any of the receiving game. Johnson's price tag of 4300 isn't bad. Juju's price tag of 5300 or 5800 isn't terrible, but he's probably going to get Ramsey defense. So if you're going to look at a flyer, just look at Johnson just purely for the savings because he could have a seven, eight target game here, end up in the end zone. But really the only guy I'm looking at is Edmonds just as some pure price savings because Samuel's just got a massive bump in price. K-Rod, this thing open with the game total 45 and a half. We're seeing it between 44 and 45 now. Leaning either way? I probably lean more under, even though the Steelers have scored at home this year. When you look back at it, 26 against Seattle, 27 against Cincinnati, 23 against Baltimore, 27 against the Dolphins, and 26 against the Colts. So this is a team that uh, has scored, and these are all games pretty much with Mason Rudolph because he got hurt in the – or Ben got hurt in the Seahawks game. So you've had Mason Rudolph all these games. But I just think that the the Rams' defense, even going back to the San Francisco game, that their offense was horrible. They still limited San Francisco to 20 points in that game. So it's 40 points they've allowed in the last three games. So the defense has played better the last few games. And I I just think that this is a game in which uh, you probably have it in the low 20s. And another point I'll bring up too is when you look at the the Rams, you you take out that Seattle game, even though they lost by one and still managed to cover – They've been an excellent road team under Sean McVay. So that's another one that, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, it's kind of similar to the Chargers a bit. Not much of a home field advantage there in LA for either team. You know, the Chargers have a horrible home field advantage, but the Rams have been just better on the road than at home under McVay. And I think uh, that keeps up again. All right, let's stay with UK Rods. We'll go to Carolina Green Bay, another four o'clock game, 425, as a matter of fact. Uh, Kyle Allen back in there. He's got the Panthers rolling right now. Oh, really, it's Christian McCaffrey who is just, I mean, he's in the MVP talk. Um, just from a personal opinion, guys, is it Russell Wilson? Here's my guys Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, MVP. Where are you right now, K Rodge? Probably lean Wilson out of the three, even though Lamar's had a good season. McCaffrey, it's kind of tough because Carolina, I don't think is going to be in that top mix in the NFC, but probably lean more Russell Wilson right now. They are right now, though. Grant? I, I, I'm a Seahawks fan, so this may be biased, but I'm, it's Russell Wilson for me. Yes, McCaffrey's having a historic season, but I think Russell Wilson, in terms of total QBR and QBR rating, he's like fourth all-time right now this season, 22 passing touchdowns compared to one interception. He's about to get Josh Gordon, which could be massive. They are a run-first team, but what he's done in his limited volume is just absolutely incredible. 
Yep, he's it's just remarkable. All right, so let's he's the most efficient player, I think, at any position ever in the history of the world, if you ask me. But uh K Rods, let's look at a line here. We'll start with that. Uh Carolina is uh five point dogs on the road. Green Bay, this opened at seven. Now it's five, four and a half, five. So I, what the sharp money came in, bet this thing down. I think that um, when they opened this up, that there just wasn't enough given to me enough respect given to Carolina and Green Bay coming off the loss. Maybe they're going to come out and just uh, lay the hammer down on Carolina. You know, sometimes, Holden, I think we overthink things, and it's kind of similar to what we saw with Tampa Bay and Seattle last week, that everyone jumped on Tampa Bay. And even two weeks ago with Carolina against San Francisco, not buying into the 49ers, and that line dropped. Everyone was on Carolina, and San Francisco destroyed them. Seattle didn't destroy Tampa Bay, but they were able to come back and win that game and cover. And granted, it was it was a bit fortunate with the touchdown in overtime. But still, I think we we tend to overthink these things sometimes with the line moves. And I just think for Green Bay, and I, I admittedly I was in the Chargers last week. I didn't think that was going to happen that they would get held to eleven points, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was, it was it was kind of a tough spot for them. And the Chargers were a home dog for the first time this year. And now Green Bay gets to come back home after a pair of actually, well, a pair of non-conference games in the road. But now three consecutive AFC West teams they faced. Now that's done. They're done with the AFC. They have all NFC games the rest of the way. And, and on the flip side with Carolina, they were kind of expected to bounce back after the 49er loss, and they beat a Tennessee team that we know is kind of middle of the road. So Carolina, they go on the road now again to Lambeau Field. And it's the first true road game for the Panthers since that week four victory at Houston, which was a nice win. But Kyle Allen wasn't that great. Also away from Carolina, they beat Tampa Bay in London. We know the Bucks aren't very good. And they beat Arizona on the road as an underdog. It was kind of an odd spot there because of the news of Cam Newton not starting and then Kyle Allen started. And he played great. And that's been his best game so far. Uh, with the Carolina Panthers. But I I just think that the Packers here, after that poor performance against the Chargers, I think they rebound here. And uh, knowing they were very fortunate, the Vikings also lost to the Chiefs. So Green Bay didn't lose any ground there atop the NFC North. But Green Bay knows Minnesota's right behind them. And if Green Bay can win, and who knows what happens with Minnesota at Dallas, then that'll really help their cause in the division. Do you ever buy a narrative street when you're trying to put things together as, as far as the spread goes? Because Aaron Rodgers even said, listen, we're just listening to, to too much on the outside that we're the best team in the NFL. It's, it's time to get back to work. So um, you buy a narrative street ever that they were – no. Don't even want to ever. I mean, ever. I don't know about ever, but as far as going into the Charger game last week, I just felt that everyone was down on the Chargers, and we all realized that their home field is non-existent. But all of a sudden, now you're getting them as a short underdog against a Green Bay team that did have a nice win at Kansas City, granted without Mahomes. But I mean, I hate to go here, but. It's the NFL. You know, this isn't, you know, it, let's not make it out to be that the Bengals beat the Packers. The Chargers are still a decent team. And the Chargers, they fired Ken Wisenhunt. So maybe that kind of got them going a bit uh, somehow. But they should have beat Tennessee. The Chicago game, they didn't play well. They found a way to win. But uh, they got a little bit of confidence and they, they come back home. And, you know, and they, and they play Oakland this week. If they could win that one, all of a sudden they're five and five and they're kind of back in this thing. And, and the Chargers have had a lot of close losses this year. So I'm not surprised they won. I'm surprised by the score. But I think Green Bay, you know, they had a bad week. Simple as that. 
All right, so Grant, here we go. The question is, uh, Christian McCaffrey, he's 10-5 on both major sites, isn't he? Um, you have to have him in cash. How much exposure in GPP? Because Christian McCaffrey is leading the world in snaps. He's leading – if you just go PPR for the whole season, and that would factor into DraftKings, he leads every player, like more than every quarterback, more than Russell Wilson. He's just – there's nobody like him in the game right now, and he reminds me of LaDainian Tomlinson in his prime from a fantasy point of view. Yeah, well, yeah, he really does. Uh, yeah, McCaffrey is a lot like LaDainian Tomlinson or a lot like Marshall Falk back in the greatest show on turf days. 10.5K is a tough price to ask for, but this isn't dissimilar to what we saw three years ago. Uh, when there was like Le'Veon Bell, there was David Johnson, there was a few guys that are all there. And McCaffrey's outdoing all of them. He's averaging well over a touchdown a game, similar to what Todd Gurley did last year. On full-point PBR sites, he's getting heavily involved in the receiving game. He's in for every single snap every single week, and he's going to average around five yards a carry with a chance to break off a 50-, 60-yard run at any given time. I mean, he's done it four times this year, I believe. So he's averaging 30 points a game. If you can lock in 30 points for 10.5K, all you need to do is find guys at the lower price range to get some upside, and you can easily do that on the slate. In tournaments, I might lock them in fully. It's just way too much points to be getting. If you don't include that six-point game, he hasn't had a single game under 20 points all season long, and he's averaging around 35 outside of that one game versus Tampa that's the best run D in the league by a pretty decent margin here. So I love McCaffrey. I'm going to use him in tournaments. I'm going to lock him in the cash. But there is a little bit of interest in the wide receivers here. Uh, DJ Moore and Samuel are both getting around a 25% target share in their offense. Granted, Allen only throws the ball 30 times in a game. But if they're behind in this game, we could potentially see him throw it almost 40 times in this game here. So just the strict volume that DJ Moore and Samuel get in this offense on a consistent basis makes them very interesting here. And maybe a little bit of interest in Greg Olson. He's old, but... He can put up a big game. I really hope that everybody's off of Aaron Jones last week because they stiffed him because, uh, you know, at any point in time, he could just open it up. I like Jamal Williams, so I think he's, you know, in this LeFleur offense, he's kind of come along. But uh, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams is back now too. Aaron Rodgers, anybody from Green Bay that you have interest in this week? It's really just Aaron Jones. I mean, he got stiff last week. Recency bias is going to think that, oh, all right, we should not play him. But the game script did not favor him. The Chargers won by a pretty decent amount. I think the result was 26 to 11. And so Jones, we just saw him put up a massive, massive game the week before. And Carolina's run defense isn't good, but their pass defense is fantastic. Everyone's going to expect Aaron Rodgers to be throwing the ball a whole lot. But we've seen that they're willing to just – run the ball in any given matchup here between Williams and Jones. So I have a lot of interest in both of them. They're both fantastic running backs. They're going to go largely unowned and they could be in for a big game. The Another interesting guy is uh, Devontae Adams. Obviously guy with massive upside, fantastic in a lot of spots and Carolina kind of forces you to throw the ball to the wide receivers. I think they have the largest wide receiver target share in the entire NFL. It's because outside of their cornerbacks, they actually have some pretty good pieces. They're able to cover the running back, able to cover the uh, tight end, and they just scheme to avoid, like shut down those positions. So Devontae Adams on the outside could be in for a big game here, but it's really just him and the running backs here. I don't really have any interest in Rodgers. Kevin, the over-under start at 48. We're seeing at 47, 47 and a half, 48. I think this is just 
perfect. Uh, the line is perfect right now because I could see at one point uh, either way. I don't – to tell you the truth, I don't know how high a scoring game this is going to be. Green Bay has a good defense. Carolina has the, the pieces to be a good defense. Do you have a lean on the total, 47, 48? I'd probably go to the under and, uh, you know, like you said, with, with this uh, Carolina defense and they obviously – in a sense, they they uh, redeemed themselves with the Tennessee victory uh, last week after giving up 51 to San Francisco. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback of the Titans. That's Ryan Tannehill. And you're going to get a much uh, tougher performance or at least a much tougher matchup for Carolina this week against Green Bay. When you look back at the last few quarterbacks Carolina has faced, Tannehill, I mean, Garoppolo, even though his numbers haven't been great, Winston, who's been a turnover machine, Minshew, they did a good job with Deshaun Watson, but they also had Kyler Murray in there. So, really, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that haven't been uh, so great that Carolina has faced of late. I, I do believe, though, that Green Bay coming back home, that maybe we could see what we saw the first few weeks of the season when their defense was uh, was very good. And also at Carolina, four straight overs for the Panthers, but also in the stretch, three of those of totals of 43 or fewer. So now it's moving up a little bit. 47, 46 and a half. So I would say maybe this one could go a bit backwards. I mean, this game could also end up being 31 to 10. Uh, the Green Bay can just blow the doors off them too. So I don't think this is going to be uh, a track meet by any stretch. All right, our next game's a 1 o'clock game. It's a DFS disaster. To me, I really am interested in betting it, though. Buffalo at Cleveland. Right now we got the total bet down from 42 and a half to 40. And, again, everything's minus $1.10. Uh, two and a half was the line when it opened. Still seen a little two and a half, but mostly three now. So Cleveland, a complete debacle. And they're fa- this is why I'm looking at their favorites at home against Buffalo. What the hell is going on here, Kevin? What am I missing? Maybe they're telling you something. I mean, maybe, you know, here, a couple things. Let, let, let's begin from, from, from the start that I want to throw this little nugget at you guys. And you can call this a trend. You can say whatever you want. It's ridiculous. But I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to go through this just to let you know this. So teams playing at home, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. Teams before playing a home Thursday night game this year, okay? I'm going to tell you what they've done the last few weeks, all right? San Francisco, they beat Carolina, or, I'm sorry, Arizona. Let me start this over again. Arizona. What the hell are you talking hold on, about? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me a sec, Holden. Hold on. I got this. Hold on. I don't have a script in front of me. I got this. Hold on. Stop. Okay. Take two. Hold on. Okay. Teams that are playing before they play at home on Thursdays. Okay. Take two. Arizona lost. Okay. That's the one loser. But before that, because they lost to New Orleans. Before that, Minnesota won at Detroit. Denver beat Tennessee. New England beat uh, Washington. Seattle won uh, at Arizona. Philadelphia, or Green Bay, rather. Green Bay beat uh, Denver. Okay, so all these teams line up in this spot. This week, it, or the last one was Oakland, who just beat Detroit, because Oakland plays the Chargers coming up on Thursday. So the next one is... The Cleveland? Cleveland Browns, they host Pittsburgh coming up next Thursday night. Ooh, I mean, it took you a long time to get there, but it was worth it. I know. Let's uh, try to edit all of that out, and uh, then we'll get it perfect. <laughs> Leave no, it in, but- Devin. Uh, that's fast, but what is – I mean, that is a trend, but how do we really apply it to this week? Yeah. I mean – I mean, you look you, at the teams, it, it, it was all good teams facing bad teams. 
It was. It's all true. And the only, I guess, caveat I'll say, because the only loser was Arizona. They were an underdog against New Orleans, and everyone else was a favorite, though, and Cleveland is favored. So we'll put that out there. But And, and I don't know if it's just uh, circumstance why it's happened that way. It is very hard to make a case for Cleveland definitively just because of what they've done. But, uh, you know, at the same time, they haven't won a home game this year. They've lost to Seattle and the Rams at home, two very good teams, and Tennessee, who is kind of up and down. It's a tough one. It really is because Buffalo, my problem with them is who they've beaten. Washington, not good. Dolphins, not good. Cincinnati, not good. Tennessee missed a bunch of field goals. Giants with Eli Jackson. All right, Kev, you're breaking up just a little bit. So let me get to Grant real quick. And they've lost to New England and Philadelphia. I can't trust you. All right, Grant, uh, real quick. Well, not real quick. Take your time on this because uh, DFS, nobody's going to be on this game, right? I mean, maybe Buffalo's defense on the road. I don't know. Kareem Hunt's back. He's 4,500 on FanDuel. I'm sure you got it on DraftKings. I got no interest in him. I, I guess the running back position with Chubb and Singletary, but I mean, where are you going with this? I think this is fascinating for betting. I DFS, I'm not as excited. Sorry. Yeah, I think the main guy I'm looking at is Singletary. Um, guy's 5K. Again, we've mentioned how little value there is, and he seems to be just heavily entrenched in the offense. The line for this really, really kind of throws me off here, but. I mean, Kevin was right. Buffalo has not beaten good teams. I mean, you look at all their losses, it's to Philly, and it was to, I think, New England. And there might have been one other one in there. And they haven't really beaten a good team, and they crushed bad teams here. Cleveland is a bad team, but it is on the road. Cleveland does have a lot of pieces. They could potentially do well here. Um, but even so, like, there's a lot of different ways this game goes, and a lot of the different ways is Singletary ends up rushing. He just had 20 carries in the last game, had a touchdown here, was involved in the receiving game. He's getting a high amount of snap counts. We should see that continue here. And they don't really need to pass the ball too much. Cleveland hasn't been great versus the run so far this season, giving up the 26 most points to running back so far this season. So Singletary there looking like the main guy in the offense. 5K is just too little. Outside of him, John Brown always has massive upside with – uh, whatever with his giant plays. Beasley has had a touchdown in three straight weeks, and Josh Allen is a guy that can rush for 100 yards. All those are a little bit interesting, but Singletary is really the guy that I'm looking at. Yeah, I think that's interesting too. All right, K-Rodge, so open at 42.5 with the total. Now it's at 40.5. So this just came down two points already. Before we get into which side that you're on, do you think this gets pushed down into the 30s? Well, I want to before we go before we continue. You said this is intriguing. Who do you like in this game? Who do I like in this game? Yeah. I I feel like I'm getting suckered in uh, because I got three points on Buffalo, but I just think Buffalo right now is the more competent team. I, Cleveland's in chaos, man. You got Baker Mayfield dressing like Columbo. You got Odell Beckham. He, they threatened to keep him out of a game because his cleats. There's just complete disarray on that team right now, and I have a hard time trusting them. I know it's it's week to week, and we shouldn't you know take a small sample, but these are the old Browns, man. This is the most underachieving team in the National Football League. They stink. That's bad right now. So I actually give me some points for Buffalo, and I'm on them. 
my favorite meme was it looks like he's ready to rob Macaulay Culkin's house. Oh <laughs> <laughs> my, that's good. I like yeah, that, that one. Made, he's the third member of the Wet Bandits. That one actually was the Wet funny. Bandits. But you know, when I look at at the total for this game, Holden and. I mean, in the two wins, they've scored 40 against Baltimore. They kind of blew up in 23 against the Jets, who are dreadful. Three of the last four games, they've scored 19, 13, three. But who are those two? Denver, good defensively. I know they've been up and down. Patriots, who are elite defensively. San Francisco, who's elite defensively. So at least some of those teams they've played have really good defenses. They scored 13 against the Rams. So, really, when you look back at it, I know the Broncos game didn't look good because they had a backup quarterback. From, But from an offensive standpoint versus these defenses, it feels like it's kind of expected. But also with Buffalo, their defense is good. But the yeah. question is, is Buffalo's defense propped up because they played a lot of bad teams? I think they're a talented defense. Great. I want you to hop in on this. What do you think about the Buffalo defense? I think they're really talented, and I think they, you know, they don't give up much passing, 184 yards a game. Uh, their total defense, their top three there, too, in yards against. I'm, I'm sold on the Buffalo defense. Yeah, I mean, and we have a sample size of going all the way back to last year where they had a very good defense. Yes, they've had some pretty easy opponents so far this season. But even when they played uh, the Pats, they only gave up 16 points there. Like, they've done well every single spot. So just saying that they haven't played a good team and the only good team they did play, Philly, put up a lot of points. It's not really saying enough here. It can happen to any team any given week here, but they've been good all season long. I think their defense is fantastic, and I, I don't see any reason why Cleveland would be able to put up too many points here. So what do you think? Am I wrong, K-Raj, being on Buffalo? You're not wrong. I just feel like this is a trap. I, I, and I hate using that word because it seems like it's not realistic or it's a myth, but I, I do kind of feel like out of these two teams, they're saying, all right, well, Buffalo's the better team. They're playing, they're in better form. Cleveland's been awful this whole year yet. Cleveland who hasn't won a home game, they're laying points at home. So what sense does this make? It makes no sense at all, but it's the either overthinking it. If you take Cleveland and Buffalo ends up winning, or if Buffalo loses this one, you back them. Like, see, this is what the line said, that Cleveland was the play. So I I personally think you stay away from this one. I, I think it's too dangerous on both ends. All right, Grant wanted uh, some offense here for DFS. So we got Atlanta, New Orleans. And then the other – I, I want to add just – we'll talk about it real quick if we got time, Arizona and Tampa Bay. But uh, K-Rodge, we'll start with Atlanta, New Orleans – Dan Quinn shook up his staff. I mean, it's too late there. The, the over-under was, to me, is the most interesting thing. Open at 50, up to 51 and a half. Line open to 13, sit at 13 most places, 12 and a half at a couple places. Atlanta's a horrible football team. They're coming off a bye. Matt Ryan's probably going to be back, though. New Orleans is at home. Their offense is a juggernaut at home. Breeze, Michael Thomas, I mean, Kamara should be back, too. Um, is there any way that Atlanta stays within two touchdowns this week? Is there any way? I think there's always a way, and I feel like this is one of those games, Holden, that everyone is so down on the Falcons, and we know what a disaster they've been and what the Saints have been. And New Orleans keeps covering every single week, and and they get breezed back before the bye against the Cardinals, and, of course, he puts up his normal numbers. And since that loss to the Rams in week two, this team has covered every single week. (sighs) 
And I mean, you look back at it, Seattle, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Chicago, Arizona, they were dogs against Chicago, one. Dogs against Jacksonville, one. Dogs against Dallas, one. Dogs against Seattle, one. So everyone keeps doubting this team all the time, and they keep winning, and they keep covering, they keep being impressive. But with all that being said, you're getting 13 with this Atlanta team, where you still have a good quarterback in Matt Ryan. You still have an elite receiver in Julio Jones. I know the defense stinks, but, you know, when you look back at some of these games, uh, I know they haven't won a road game yet, and they barely beat Philadelphia at home. They could be, you know, uh, over this year. But Indianapolis, they hung and they lost by three. The Arizona game, they came back in after digging themselves a huge hole. Even against Seattle with Matt Schaub, they still came back in that one. You know, in all reality, they've had two duds this year. The Rams and the Vikings. The Vikings game in week one and the Rams a few weeks ago. Even the Houston game, they were still in that one for a while, and the Texans opened it up in the second half. So even though they gave 53 in that game, let's not make it out to be that that was indicative of how the whole game went. I just think at at this point, I don't know how you can't take 13 with this Atlanta team. That coming (laughs) off the bye, I just – I, maybe I'm crazy. And, and this is sometimes a chance you have to take that. Why I don't think I have to lay 13 with New Orleans. I could wait on them later in the season and find better spots. I think Atlanta here, the old rivalry game between these two, and they know all, all that's been talked about them this year. I think you got to take a shot with the Falcons. I really do. You make a compelling case, K-Raj. Uh, Grant from the DFS side, I personally think this is going to be the game uh, that most people are going to be maybe stacking or most players are going to be from there. And I know you get, you think Arizona, Tampa Bay, and I think it's right there too, but new Orleans, Atlanta, it's a bonanza, man, new Orleans at home. Um, Alvin Kamara is an interesting one though, because you know, a half point PPR, he's just had no seal. He had one game where he hit 30, one other game, he got right on 20. And besides for that, he's really, it, it, his floor hasn't even been this uh, that good this year. So you're taking on Kamara, the new Orleans offense, and who do you wrap it around with from the Atlanta side? Because I could see Ryan to Julio, Ryan to Ridley. I mean, th- there's really some opportunities here. I mean, the amount of stuff to unpack in this matchup is just incredible. So we have, first of all, talking about uh, betting on Atlanta on the spread. We saw the spread for New Orleans go up, shoot up all the way throughout the beginning of the season. I think they started off the season 7-1 against the spread last year, and they finally like every single week it was 12, 13, 14 points and they just kept blowing teams out. And I think finally they ended up the season at 10 and eight against the spread. Um, so they did drastically worse the second half of the season. We will start to finally just keep hammering them no matter what. And then the spread got so high that it didn't matter. Uh, and then from just this perspective here of DFS, Atlanta's had 300 yes plus yards passing pretty much every single game this season. I don't see that that doesn't happen here. I mean, New Orleans may end up running the ball if they get up a big lead, but Matt Ryan's going to be passing the ball a ton later on in the game. I love Ryan here. I don't like anything on the New Orleans side. They're probably going to run the ball later on in the game. It's going to be Murray. It's going to be Kamara. We saw multiple 200-yard rushing or passing games by Drew Brees last season where they just decided to run the ball the entire time here. I think that Matt Ryan is the best play on the slate possibly in terms of GPP upside just because they can put up 400 yards passing. And without some new in that offense, Ridley should get an uptick in targets. And so I really, really like Ridley here at 5,400 on a slate where we need some value, as I mentioned before. Has huge touchdown equity, has a larger target share on this offense probably, and could potentially put up a massive game. New Orleans has been good at shutting down the tight end. We've seen Hooper get 10-plus targets 
multiple times a season or nine plus targets multiple times a season. So he could be in for a downtick unless everything's going to Julio. The 300 yards passing is probably going to be predominantly to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And Ridley's the one that's way cheaper here. I love the Atlanta offense and I'm staying away from the New Orleans offense, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's so many different parts that can go to breeze could end up with 250 yards passing as we've seen in blowouts in the past. Like everyone says, Oh, he's such a massive fantasy player, but last year it wasn't the same. They were run first team realistically. And with Kamara and Latavius Murray, both priced up, both sharing the workload, especially after Kamara coming back from injury and drew Brees, Like, I guess you could go with Michael Thomas cause he's still mm-hmm. getting a massive target share, but at eight, three, I'd rather rule with Julio Jones on the other side, even though Michael Thomas is getting 10 plus targets every week. It hasn't had a single week under 16 points a season, but I think the smarter move is probably going with Atlanta. Well, it's tough to jam in Thomas and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's basically just we that's stars and scrubs right there, man. How you doing that? Ten five, eight three. I'm just talking about Fanduel prices. It's you play Belage, you play. Oh, stop uh, it! With it's, it's, it's gross. Well, I'm <laughs> saying that's how you do it, and that's what some people are going to do, <laughs> and it's just disgusting. <laughs> Hey, Kevin, so this should be fun. We're expecting points, right? And get, the total got bet up from 50 to 51, 51 and a half. Uh, I think when you just look at it, you're thinking over, right? So how does this thing not go over? Besides for them not scoring enough points, I'll just be a smart ass to myself. So how does it happen? Oh, I thought you were going to say if Drew Brees and Matt Ryan don't play. Uh, the, That's that, it? That's the only way? That's it. And and, uh, and the Falcons still had, what, over 400-something yards passing with Matt Schaub. But, uh, you know, what's funny is last year when these teams played in November, okay, at the Superdome, you know what the total was? Think about this. 58? Uh, 61.5. All right, close. So, no, it's pretty good, though. 31-17 final in that one. So, you end up with 48. But uh, these teams have actually gone under the total the last few times hmm. in uh, in the Superdome. But, uh, again, different teams and all that stuff. But uh, I could definitely see this being, a, you know, a 28-24, a 30-24 game, somewhere in that range. I just think you have games every year in football, whether it be NFL or college, where you're so down on one of these teams and so high on the other one that you got to just take the, take a shot with the points when Atlanta, their highest underdog number so far this year was seven and a half against Seattle, simply because Matt Ryan didn't play in the games that Matt Ryan played on the road, getting four at Houston. They got one at Indianapolis, three and a half at Minnesota. Now the saints are, Better than the Colts or better than the Texans. You can argue with the Vikings, maybe a little bit better, but now 13. I just think that number is it's insane. I, I think you got to take a shot with Atlanta here. Uh, one more game that we didn't really have slated on here. And K Raj, uh, I'll get to you in a sec. I know Grant's just licking his chops. He, this is his game this week from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective, of course. And it's Arizona, Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, in, in real life, this is just two dog teams. Uh, neither one of them played deep. Well, Tampa Bay could stop the run, but neither could stop the pass. And the, the line opened at five and a half, bet down to four and a half in favor of Tampa Bay. And then, or actually Tampa Bay, the favorite. And Arizona, the over-under got bet down from 54 to between 51 and a half, 52 and a half. So, Grant, just run with it, baby. Arizona, Tampa Bay, everybody's in play. Yeah, pretty much. So we, let's start off with the Tampa Bay side. Um, Ronald Jones, if you need value, he's 4,300. 
he got a bunch of carries last game. He's been getting a large amount of carries recently. Any game that stays close, and they're actually a favorite in this one. With Arizona running at such a high tempo in their offense, there's going to be a bunch of plays in this game. And with both these defenses being terrible, there's going to be a bunch of points in this game. I think in the Tampa Bay offense, no – like you combine Mike Evans and Godwin, and no two players have combined for more 28-point games more 30-point games, or more 40-point games. I don't even think McCaffrey has as many as those two do when you combine them together, and they're 7-4 and 7-6. The smartest move in DFS, I think, this week is going to be playing 50%. We don't know who's going to get Peterson defense, but the other one is going to just absolutely eat. I'll look into more of the matchup here, figure out who Peterson's going to be on, and probably go a little bit heavier on the other side. I think it just matters who they double, too. I mean, when Evans has been doubled, that's when Godwin has his big game. Yeah, and when Evans isn't doubled, that's when he goes off of 35 yep. or 40. Like, all the volume of targets that are going to be in this. Like, Winston's going to throw 50 times in this game just because of the pace of Arizona. Hmm. So we know that Evans and Godwin are probably going to end up with 15-plus targets because everything's so concentrated on those guys. And if you don't think the concentration is going to be there, Braid or Howard, we know how bad Arizona is versus the tight end. One of these guys is probably going to go off for a massive game. They can be involved in the offense. I know Arians doesn't like to throw to his tight end too much. But if Evans and Godwin don't end up with 15-plus targets, that means that Brayton or O.J. Howard or both are going to end up with massive volume of targets. And then on the other side, Tampa Bay has been so good versus the run that DJ or Drake, whoever's in playing more, uh, is not going to be rushing the ball a whole lot. They are just going to run strictly like screens and stuff to them. And Murray is going to throw the ball 50 times in this game against the worst passing defense in the league, possibly. He's 6,500. He has massive upside. He can run the ball, too. And he's probably going to end up with 40 throws and probably 350, 400 passing yards. And so you have to assume that one of his wide receivers is going to do well. They're all 5,500 or 5,200 or below 4K. If you want to take a shot at Isabella or Keyshawn Johnson, that's fine. But Kirk is the most likely candidate. And he can absolutely crush over 10 targets in three of the last seven games that he's played, and he's been out for a lot of the season. So we can see a massive amount of volume to him at 5,200. He's one of the best plays on the entire slate. All right, Kevin. Um, it's interesting, though. The money came in. The total goes from 54 to about 51.5. Should I be reading into that? And what do you think of the spread? Opens at 5.5, now down to 4.5 with Tampa Bay at home. It's the Bruce Arians Bowl. This is a this is a big game. Oh, Narrative Street Revenge Game. It's a bulletin board. Those guys. No, I think that you have a lot of ways to look at this one. Uh, Tampa Bay. You know, the last time they played at home was the the game against the Giants, Week Three. Uh, going all the way back there, they they played four of the last five on the road, and the one game on the road was against Carolina or at home rather. The only game at home in this stretch was against Carolina was the London game. So they haven't played at home in a long time. And I know this team is not good defensively, but, you know, I, I got to say to play with a little bit more confidence. It sounds weird losing four straight, but when you look at some of these losses that the Buccaneers have endured, the Seattle game up two touchdowns, falling overtime. The Tennessee game, I mentioned before, that uh, botched field goal or fake field goal that was a fumble. The Tampa Bay ran back. That was blown dead. Even against the Giants, blowing an 18-point lead. And even going back to week one with San Francisco, that one, there's a couple pick sixes on San Francisco's side. So Tampa Bay has been competitive for the most part. They just can't get over the hump. When I look at Arizona, the one thing I was really telling uh, in last week's game against San Francisco – 
was the Niners kept converting so many third downs. The Cardinals could not get off the field in that game. And Arizona got that late touchdown pass from Kyler Murray that got them within the spread on that uh, 90-yard touchdown pass, the guy from UMass. And, you know, the wins this year for the Cardinals, you would think this would be a winnable game just because they've beaten the Giants and the Falcons and the Bengals. And in two of those games, they needed a last-second field goal to beat the Bengals, and they needed a missed extra point to beat the Falcons. So Arizona's been kind of living on the edge as well. I just think Tampa Bay coming back home, uh, even though they're not really a great home field advantage there for the Bucs, I, I think because of all the weapons they have and the good rush defense as well that Grant mentioned before, that the, the Bucs, I think they can grab the win here as far as the total goes. You know, both these teams aren't great defensively. So you think of it being a high scoring game, but also with that thought, maybe again, this could be, you know, uh, a 24, 21 game, something like that, and, and maybe stay under the total. I hope not. I really hope not. And then, uh, real quick, Grant, just to wrap this game up with you, Kenyon Drake going up against a tough uh, defense here. And hey, yesterday Arians came out and said it. I listened to his whole pro, uh, press conference. He loves Ronald Jones, man. He's the starter now. He says not that Peyton Barber's bad, but Ronald Jones is the guy. He's explosive. He's going to start getting more touches. I see 15 to 18 in his future in this game. Yeah, I kind of already mentioned that he's one of the best value plays on the entire slate of the running back position. He's like, if the game script favors Tampa Bay, he's going to end up running the ball a lot. Even if not, he's still been involved in the passing game. He's still going to get enough carries. And then Drake on the other side, we mentioned how good Tampa Bay is against the running back. But if David Johnson is out, 5,500 for Kenyon Drake, he's going to be involved in the pass game. They're still probably going to run him 10 times. Uh, but he couldn't. He ended up with 52 receiving yards last week. He's fantastic in the pass game. They'll bring him outside and bring him uh, more involved in the pass game. They do that with David Johnson a ton, so they'll do it with Drake. He's now had an extra week to be entrenched in this offense, so the fact that he got four targets last week, He's probably going to get more if he is starting without David Johnson, without uh, Edmonds. He's going to get the bulk of everything and be heavily involved in the passing game. So it's not so much I like him for running upside. It's I like him for his passing work upside at 5,500. But, yeah, both the running backs very much in play. K-Rod, speak now or hold your peace till next week. Anything you want to plug? VegasInsider.com. V.I. Well, Rogers we can see it behind Twitter. you. Yeah, V.I. Rogers. Yeah, at least you don't have an underscore. What are you, Grant Turd Ferguson or something? Apparently. I'm not entirely sure why. It's just a funny name. Uh, yeah, it's a funny name. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> really is a great name. That's Is that your handle on Twitter? Is that Turd Ferguson? No, I think it's my online, my DK and everything screen name of Genie for 07. Okay. And K. Rogers is giggling over there. He thinks it's It silly. is funny. I mean, and and you mentioned, uh, we're talking about this off air, like Will Farrell, like he was a great Alex Trebek on, the, on that. Stage. Oh, he was great. He was great. Norm McDonald, just such an underrated, great comedian. Uh, I'm Holden Kushner. I'm at Holden Radio. You can catch me. I don't know. I'm sure I got other stuff that I'm doing this week. Definitely Sunday leading up to uh, the games, me and JSU. Uh, run it down on crunch time. And of course, K Raj, if you want to get in touch with him, just find him on VI uh, Rogers on Twitter. For Devin back in the Nashville studio, thanks for hanging with us, Devin. I, we had to get that Arizona Tampa Bay game in. I know we weren't going to talk about it, but um, we will catch you next week on one of my favorite shows I do lines and lineups. Mm-hmm.